Hi, my friends at Hillside. Um, just uh, wanting to prepare the message for today. Uh, I've been trying to look at, uh, look up old prophetic words and even look at something, things that have come in prophetically were, you know, written down. And it, it's really incredible because David Canis Tracy, like six years ago, prophesied People in businesses, better, your business would be better, finances would be better, uh, money coming into the house, money coming into the kingdom. And it's interesting, like the scripture says, if a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it must die and be alone. And I'm thinking, how true it is when a prophetic word comes, it seems like it dies. In 206, when we got these prophetic words, and David Canis Tracy, a number of times he's prophesied to us about... Uh, growth and blessing financially that in 207 we the very just not even a year later we went into our big financial thing in our country and it's interesting that it's been about seven years and now it seems like god is moving us to like start doing some renovation and i think how how it is how strange it is when God's ways are so much higher than our ways. He doesn't do things in our timing, and it's so, uh, it's just so odd. Because back in 207, we were in a place where it seemed like we could get ready to go to two services. And we had an opportunity to, that our landlord wanted to sell us the building. And so we're in this time of uh, getting um, like a loan, and uh, he, there was a two-week period where his lawyer was sitting on the paperwork between us and, and the loan. And when we got the paperwork to the loan company, it was the very next, it was like two days after the big crash in, uh, in the stock market and everything, and everyone, all loans seemed like they went away and no one was given any money. And the bank sat with us for another two months and they let us go through uh, an appraisal and everything else. And then they told our landlord, we are not going to loan to you guys. And it was kind of one of those things where God, your, your prophetic words and everything, we're trying to move forward. And like, what are you doing? And so really, we've really gone through it for seven years, wondering what's going to happen. And now when it seems like you're not expecting it, it seems like God's wanting to move. And it's just interesting, the ways of God. When I speak to you, I give you a lot of different things because, again, like I said last week, I only have you for like maybe 45 minutes on Sunday, so I try to give you as much as, as I can. But a lot happens in our services, and I feel like I want to go back to what Denise said this morning. And I want us to take a minute and just pray. And if you're in that category where your heart is wounded or you've had that scab on your heart, you know, one of the ways you activate the prophetic words or when a word comes to you is by saying, that's me. And Jesus, uh, my heart is hurting. I have a deep wound. Or, Lord, I've allowed a scab to come over my heart, but I have a kind of like an unbelief with you. And let's just take a minute. And if, you, if that fits you in any way, why don't you just receive from the Lord that, what he said and, and believe that God's now going to confirm because you received it. Lord, we come to you, and I just want to agree with those who have had a wounded heart, Lord, and have just felt the pain. And I want to agree also with those who've uh, had that scab come over their heart, but really, there's, there's not a real healing. And there's a deep wound that uh, has even brought in some resentment about you. After all, we're your kids, and we believe in you, and you're God, and yet 
so often we go through so many difficult uh, situations and rejections and places where we're left bewildered and our faith is hindered. And we're asking you to just bring healing. We're receiving that word that you gave to us today. And we don't even know how to figure out how it's going to happen or how we're going to change or how we're even going to open up again. But we're believing because of what you said today through that word, it's going to happen. And we just want to thank you, Lord. We say, yes, do it. We just pray for a new joy to come over this whole body, a new confidence and a new peace and a new ability to trust you in every situation. And we thank you for what you're going to continue to say to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. The title of my message today is Inheritance is Rebuilding. We've been talking about our birthright, talking about going into the promised land and uh, receiving inheritance. But when you think about inheritance, it's always a time of rebuilding. It's always a time of increased activity. It's always a time where you're taking steps of action. And you, you find yourself sometimes so overwhelmed or so tired with the work. But yet it's, a, it's an excitement of tiredness where you're tired yet, but you're excited because things are happening. You're uh, employing your work or your effort, but also you're seeing God move. And it's almost like you're getting on board with what he's doing and you're moving forward in your life and that's that's what i'm beginning to think about when i'm thinking about rebuilding and and just this little remodel it's so much bigger than this building and yet it's a sign it seems like god does things in the natural and then it's kind of correlates with what he's doing in the spiritual realm just like we're talking about remodeling the house i believe god's remodeling our house as spiritual believers and also there's a mandate to reach people in our community and whatever God has for us in the future in, this, in, this, in the world, and how we're going to stretch out our, our hands and stretch out our faith and use our gifts to reach a generation. Again, inheritance is about people. Inheritance is about our brothers and sisters yet to come into this place that are going to add in so many different ways the spiritual gifts that they have. Some of the very needs that we have are going to be fulfilled when other people come into this place and begin to exercise their spiritual gifts and begin to grow as disciples of Christ. Many of you who are carrying burdens, many of you who are carrying weights of ministry in this house, uh, your relief is coming, and it's coming through an inheritance through other people. And when I think of rebuilding, I think of Noah, when he had the call that God was very upset with what he had done in creating man, because man had become so depraved sexually and immorally in every way that he was grieved that he had made man. But it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God commanded Noah to build an ark because he believed, despite his disgust with how man had become depraved, he believed that uh, even through seeing Noah that there was a people who would believe. And so Noah built for 120 years and he preached about what he was building. And just like the society is degenerating, and just like the houses of God are falling, and just like 1,500 men and women leave the ministry every year and give up their churches, there is still going to be a building. There is still going to be something that God counters in our society that's saying, okay, church is no more, it's not needed, it's not important, but God is going to build. And I just want to excite you today about rebuilding. Uh, I think of... um, Israel in the wilderness. Here they just leave Egypt. They've got all this gold. They've stripped, they've stripped the Egyptians from everything they've had, and they're now going out into the desert. And what does God command? You think, wow, you think, you know, God would plan some different things. He commands them to build a tabernacle in the wilderness, a tent, 
a covering place that would hold the artifacts that they're made, the altar in the, uh, the places in, of, of um, dedicated worship, you know, all the different in- utensils and things that are involved with worship, the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God. All these were commanded. Why? Why, when they were in this wilderness, he wanted to, to bring their focus into the spiritual realm, and so he had them build a house. You know, all my years of church, I'm thinking, I've even gone through those, uh, those thinking at times, well, why have a building? Why do we spend our money on buildings? And why my whole life has it been in a building? Why, why was my faith, you know, ignited by hearing the gospel? And I was in a building. I heard an evangelist, and he, and, and he touched my heart. And why, God, have you had my whole life been around church? Why was I in my whole life cleaning church and going to church and around in church activities? Why is my whole focus? In this year period, I think when I, when I was in my early 20s, how I, I left church for one year, and it wasn't very long, and God was just calling me back to get involved back in the house, to get in the house, to be part. It's because the church is a focal point of where people come and they unite together. And yes, it's, it's, it's really idealistic to say, yeah, you know, I have Jesus and I can go out there, but I tell you, on your own, you don't really do much. But in the church, gathering around a place of worship, there is activity around that place, but also there's something that happens as we gather together. There's a connection. There's a unity. As we focus on building, there's a great unity that begins to develop and happen when, when people um, find a purpose that they're doing together. And yes, it's even a natural purpose. We're, we're organizing. We're cleaning. We're, we're renewing. Uh, and, and it seems in itself like, well, that doesn't seem very spiritual. But it's very spiritual because it connects us as believers. I think when we were in our house for 14 months, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we might have been comfortable there for, for ever long, but it got to the place where our house could not contain the growth. Or some of our neighbors were beginning to be upset. Who are these strange people coming in, into our neighborhood? You know, and this person was very, a, a church person, and uh, this person was probably the greatest opposition to us having church. And, and yet I, see, I saw how, as we grew in our house, how people began to be touched, how people got saved, how people uh, began to come into the kingdom. They began to get set free. They began to get delivered, and, and how God moved. And then as we were looking at the, the building down the road that uh, Abundant Life was in, because they were getting ready to go into their property here on, on 25, um, you know, just talking about it and talking about the price and then kind of, wondering well wow we're going to be back there we're new will that be really a good place for us to be you know and uh, just thinking that and then as we're talking negotiating i just had this prophetic uh like kind of picture of of seeing seeing us here on this property and and at that time the our landlord he, he didn't want to rent to a church he had other plans but it wasn't very long after we said no we're not going to go out there he calls dory back and says uh you guys want the church here <laughs> You know, it's just how God has moved. And, and, and although we can have different idealistic thinking of, of conserving our money or doing things a certain way, God is building a house. And he has a natural house and he has a spiritual house. You know, the last two weeks I talked a little bit about Elijah and how he uh, was restoring uh, unity and restoring people back to God. Remember we talked about how he was confronting the, prophet, the 400 prophets of Baal and how he was the only prophet of God. And he was trying to, to, to shake up a mentality that had happened where the house of God had really gone, gone to pieces. 
People were now connected in the idol worship of their society. They were affected by the times that they lived in and, and by uh, all the, the drifting away from the, the heart relationship with God. So our key verse today is uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the old altar of the Lord that had been broken down by Jezebel. There's a spirit of Jezebel in the land, and it comes through forces of, uh, through, through natural people, but there's a de- demonic uh, resistance against the kingdom of God, against morality, against decency, against the ways of God, against the Bible. There's a mockery of the things of God. There's a mockery of even the customs and the, the promises that God has given. And that's all the same thing that they went through with Jezebel being their leader. And it's that thing where the altars had become broken down. And altars become broken down. Focuses become broken down of the spiritual things. And so really where we put our money, like even investing our money to, to make our place more uh, better for our, the atmosphere of, of our gathering together, making it inviting, like Dory already said. It sets up something that's going to uh, show the value in this day for the house of God. The house of God represents a place of rever- reverence and holiness, even though sometimes we're kind of casual. We drink our coffee, we eat our donuts. We, we need to have a reverence also for the house because it's in the house we, we close in with God, we shut our eyes, we we open our heart because the Holy Spirit has covenanted to meet with us because our, our goal and our desire is to meet with the Lord here when we come together. And so what happens? We receive spiritually. We're downloaded by the Holy Spirit. Often things we didn't even think were going to come to us. How many times does God say something to us when we're in the house of God? Because there's, there's a manif- manifested presence of this God because all of God's people are together here. And the Holy Spirit manifests himself to to fill us up, to encourage us. Why? So we can go back out and be witnesses and to speak the gospel into other people's lives. You know, I just shared earlier about uh, entering, enter, entering into the land and how 207, all the different things that have happened, but now it seems like God is moving. In 1 Kings 18, 31 through 32, it says, Then Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the 12 tribes of the sons of Jacob, whom the word of the Lord came to, saying, Israel shall be your name. And verse 32 says, And with the stones Elijah built an altar in the name and self-revelation of the Lord. And yeah, we're remodeling the house, but it's the personal stones that each one of us are the living stones we are in Christ and how he's building in each one of our lives. It's your personal revelation of who Jesus is. That's what makes this body. That's what's going to make this body get stronger and bigger beyond how beautiful this place is, beyond what we can do in the natural. You know, a lot of times we can do things to to prevent, to provide a religious atmosphere, but I don't want a religious atmosphere. I want the Holy Spirit. I want revelation. I want to happen on Sunday morning what happens when people get up and they're feeling something. What J. 
Daniel gets up and he reads, when Varney gets up and talks about the cross and resurrection, when Denise gets up and talks about the, the brokenness of hearts and the, the scars on hearts and people par- partially healed, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the word of the Lord through different people. I want to see the body of Christ manifest like 1 Corinthians, uh, thir- 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and 1 Corinthians 12 talk about when we come together. There's the activity of the Holy Spirit and people are using spiritual gifts. And when you use your spiritual gift and when God's given you revelation, there's something that happens inside. You buy into it. It's real. Why? Because it's not something some guy up here says, says to you on Sunday. It's something you're hearing from God and you're finding out Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And you're a partaker in that. You're, you're one who's positioning themselves in hearing God and you're becoming active. That's when the body of Christ grows. That's when the gospel becomes effective. When you get up, when you feel like staying in bed, when everything is coming against your faith and you can just say, you know, I'm going to walk away for a while and I, because it's not working. But you get up anyway and you say, no, I believe it's working. Something happened to me at one point in my life. I may not see anything now. I may not feel anything now. I may not believe anything in this moment. But something happened to me. And until it changes, I'm, I'm going to keep knocking on the door. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to keep doing spiritual things. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to let it change me. I'm going to adapt myself to what God's saying, and I don't care if nothing ever changes. I know God's going to come through, and I tell you, when you have that kind of declaration, you're going to see God do the breakthroughs, and you're going to see things change in your life. A challenge of faith is always something that's going to challenge our faith. I was thinking when, um, uh, you know, if we're uh, us men are honest, our wives are the ones that build the nests and have the uh, have the decor in mind and everything else, and we'd be happy to, like I've said before, sit on an apple crate or whatever. If we have a chair, we're happy. If we have an old chair that least comforts us, we're happy. But I remember uh, we lived in an apartment for two and a half years, but. You know, Dory, prophetically, sensitivity, I feel like it's time now. We're supposed to start having kids, we're, but we need, we need to get out of our apartment. And she so started looking, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm only making like barely 10 bucks an hour. How am I going to afford a house? You know, and you start taking steps. And when you take that step, you know, God opens doors. And it's always a step of faith, and it's always something that you feel like, I can't do it. It's more than me. I remember when she found this dream house, it was, they wanted 95000 for it. But uh, the, the real estate man needed, uh, needed to get paid. Uh, we needed $10,000 down payment. And I was thinking, that's when the enemy started lying to me because I was a single Christian guy and I was the kind of guy that I, I was double tithing. Uh, there was one time there was a challenge, building challenge in our church and the, the, one of the elders stood up and said, I challenge you to give the money to your bank account. I cleared out my bank account. And the, now the devil is telling me, see what a fool you were. Now you have a family. You don't have any money. You don't have any savings. What's wrong with you? And I thought, oh my, I was a fool. I did. Right before we get the house, my mother-in-law says, I'm going to lend you 10000 Dory's all excited. Yes, we're going to get the house. And then I'm thinking, great. I'm going to have a mortgage. I have to pay, I have to pay the, the, the real estate man. And now I owe my mother-in-law 10000 bucks. <laughs> that does not seem like God. So... Right before we got the house, like a week before we got the house, her mother says, I'm not going to lend you 10000 I'm giving you the 10000 And I saw God get us into this house. My wife said, you know what? I'm going to have kids. I think, it's, I think we need to believe God that you're going to work and I'm going to stay home take care of the kids. And I said, okay, I can, I can deal with that. And I began working every day. I mean, I worked every overtime. I 
seven, six days a week, I was probably working. But I saw how God provided. You know, it's about building a house. Uh, there was a continuing prophetic word that's come off and on. I wish I had it every, every time it was said, I wish I had it. But it's Isaiah 54, 1 through 4. And that word is stretch out the tent stakes. It's come over and over again in 14 years to this house. Sing, O barren, you who, who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with a child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you, hillsides, shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations. And make the desolate cities inhabited. That is a word we can all feed on for a while. And maybe this week you can read Isaiah 54, 1 through 4. And especially verse 2 and verse 3. You know, that word... I mean, David Kennedy gave us also a word. He said, you, will, you are never going to have enough room. And I'm thinking, we haven't been that place yet, but it scares me because that means what are we going to be doing? When you think about it, when Noah began, when, when it got close for God's judgment, people were beating on the doors of that ark to get in. And it was too late. I believe the way society is, the way things are getting on the earth, that people are literally going to be coming and beating their way into the doors. Because there, as, as the demonic oppression increases, as more demonic atmospheres because of demonic presence are released on the earth, because the closer we get to the end, people are going to want something that they have not found in anything that they've sought after. And I tell you, we are going to have our hands full working with the Holy Spirit, seeing people come to Christ and experience the peace and joy that we have because we know who is our Savior and our Lord and we know who is our comforter and we know who's with us. It's not going to be like Noah. People are going to come into the kingdom. People are going to get born again and saved, but they're going to need a house where people are going to gather around them and help bring healing to them and tell them, I've been where you're at. I've struggled with that sin. I, I did what you did. I don't think it was an accident that Lisa Bennett began her ministry again this week at our church. Because what she exampled of what she got free from is what the world needs to be free from today. They're not little light things. They're heavy-duty demonic bondages. And Jesus wants to set people free. Enoch had us sing that song today, I Am Free. I want to I have a couple minutes left. Exodus 35:11. The tabernacle is God's tent and it's his covering. Exodus 40:19. Moses spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle and put a covering of the tent above upon it as the Lord commanded Moses. This is simply a tent. Ernest and Teal always referred to our building as a sheep shed. It was a place that we gathered 
It was a simple place, but it was a place that became a holy place as we gathered to worship our God, as we gathered to experience healing and transformation, rejuvenation, hope, excitement, encouragement. That's what Hillside is. That's what this place is. This, this old Hayward Lumber Building warehouse is like a tent, but God inhabited, inhabits this place. The altar is our heart, the place where Jesus really dwells is in here. But as we gather in this tent, we are washed by the water of the word. We are cleansed by the Holy Spirit. We have our hope renewed. We have encouragement that comes to us. We begin to see dreams and we begin to see visions of what our life holds for us. It was in a local, it was a local service like this, just sitting there where God said to me, I've called you to be a shepherd in Israel. I was like, what? I can't even tell you what the pastor said that day, but I know what the Holy Spirit said. And why? Because someone had declared, had followed and obeyed God to start a church. Ernest Gentile set up an incredible banqueting table week after week, an incredible place for me to come and sit as a single man and with my family and allowed us to grow up under this place where he took all the hammering from the attacks and uh, all the things the enemy would do to try to shut him down and shut the word of God down or compromise the word of God, and he stood. And because we stand, and because another generation is going to rise up in this place to stand, people are going to hear the word of the Lord, and people are going to be changed. Isaiah 54, 5 and 8. Do not fear, hillside, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced. For you will, not, you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord is, has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife whom you were refused. You know what? This is so prophetic. If you've been here a while, you've known all the ups and downs we've gone through as a congregation and all getting close to incredible fruitfulness and growth and then being pruned and stripped all by God because he's worked on us and because he's prepared us for fruitfulness. Says your God, for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. And this is for some of our, our, our people who have felt like they've been under it for a while. You may have felt like he's hid his face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, he promises, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And I want to thank Shelley because all the scriptures about rebuilding the house, uh, there are so many scriptures. Uh, Nehemiah could be preached about building the house. They came from back from Babylonian captivity. Jerusalem, the city of God, the dwelling place of the house of the Lord, the place that someday God will set up his, his, his church and his kingdom, was burnt. Jerusalem's walls were burnt down and destroyed. The house of God was destroyed. And Nehemiah got a call and permission to go back and build a place where people could gather, that their hope might be renewed, that they might have a place to identify with God and his kingdom. So it's Haggai 1, 1 through 5. 
Um, try to read it this week. 1 through 15, actually. Haggai 2, 6 through 9, I think this was appropriate too because it goes along with the rebuilding. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. E, would you come? We're only going to have a couple minutes because we went kind of long today. But I want to read one more scripture. Isaiah 2, verses 1 and, uh, I think, 1 through 3. And the word of the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it should come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of Jacob, the house of our God. He will teach us his ways and he shall walk in his path. We shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. People ask me, do you want to go to Jerusalem? Yeah, but I want to go when Jesus sets up his house. When he comes to reign on the earth, I'm going to be there. Will you stand with me? I'm just going to pray and end. We have one minute left. And if you want prayer, you can come up. People will pray with you. But let's just rededicate ourselves again to following Jesus in, in every way he has for us. And that we will rebuild in our own lives the inheritance he has for us. That we will receive the challenges, but also the great expectations of our future as we walk with Jesus. Lord, we just thank you that you are building such an incredible eternal foundation and house, your kingdom. And we thank you for the promises that you've given us. And I pray for every man, woman, and child on this uh, on this property today. I pray for a download of excitement and courage, Lord, to go in and possess the land that you have for them. That as we rebuild our lives and our, our past, Lord, by, by walking with you in new ways, that you will depart and impart to us everything that we need to rebuild. I pray for a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit that will comfort and encourage us as we face the challenges individually and as a body. And God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.